I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back to Inside Sources. Great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson. Just a reminder that uh, KSL will be broadcasting from Valley Film. Fair Mall, sorry, tomorrow, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. We're going to be promoting uh, no no appointment necessary vaccination, uh, doing that with our partners, Nomi Health and RSL. And this is a great opportunity. Bring your teenagers in, uh, all who are eligible, uh, free vaccines there. If you have any questions, you want more details, you can just uh, text the word vaccine to 57500. Again, just text the word vaccine to 57500 or visit kslnewsradio.com. Uh, to get more details. Very important. We got to keep uh, the momentum rolling there as we continue to open up the economy and society. And one of the things that we've been watching and looking at in society, the impacts of the pandemic has been around faith and religion. And uh, this caught my eye the other day. Uh, always uh, things that are written by Bill Duncan uh, catch my eye, but it was uh, a prayer a day keeps the doctor away. Can that possibly be true? And uh, Bill joins us now on the line. Uh, how you doing, sir? Good. How are you? Doing well. So is it really true? Can a a prayer a day keep the doctors away? What does the science tell us? (laughs) Well, we don't want to (laughs) overpromise. It's it's a great catchy headline. And and but but it's based on a, you know, some some great data that that suggests that in this case, specifically mental health, which has been one of the major concerns we've had during the pandemic, is improved by uh, religious uh, activity. We're actually do, not just identifying as religious, but actually doing some things, prayer and meditation and things like that. Yeah. Uh, I know part of the uh, study that you uh, cited uh, in your piece was uh, some of this on well-being from the Human Flourishing Program at Harvard University. Tell us about that. That's right. They, they have a great, uh, a great uh, set of data, and they've been doing study after study. And we, we just noted some of the great things that they've learned I'll just maybe just to give you an example, some of the things these these relate specifically to women, but uh, you know, but have implications for everybody. Twenty five percent reduction in depression if if uh, you have women who are attending weekly services, um, five to six fold reduction in suicide risk, thirty three percent lower hazard of death from despair. Uh, you know, people who uh, uh, drink too much and things like that. Uh, Twenty six reduction in all cause mortality so that's mm-hmm. that's pretty dramatic in terms of any for any reason people seem to live longer when they're 
involved in weekly attendance at church or other kinds of uh, religious activities. Yeah. Uh, and of course, uh, a lot of people have been concerned, especially during the the pandemic. We've done a, a lot uh, here on this show and and at KSL News Radio uh, around the the mental health of our young people of of the youth, uh, whether that's anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, and so on. Uh, how does this uh, connection to religious activity or religious observance, faith, uh, impact our young people? Yeah, it, that's such a great question, and and it is it is a, a serious concern. That's why we paid a lot of attention to it. Um, the the Human Flourishing Project published a large study of American youth specifically, and their their the bottom line conclusion was there's there's serious health benefits for being raised in a religious or spiritual environment. Uh, some of those, you know, again, and I apologize for just bumping out numbers, but. 12% less likely to suffer from depression, 33% less likely to use illicit drugs. And these are, these are things that are tied to, again, uh, frequent church attendance. Um, uh, 30, uh, this one relates to prayer, 33% less likely to have, start having sexual relationships at a young age. Uh, you know, these are, these are really significant. And they have, you know, there's kind of the opposite side, too, that uh, we see, you know, youth involved in frequent prayer are Thirty-eight percent more likely to volunteer in the community. Forty-seven percent more likely mm. to feel a sense of mission. So these are these are uh, both uh, protections from uh, challenging uh, ch- uh, mental health challenges, but also uh, the kinds of things that build resilience for future challenges. Yeah, and, and that resilience, I think, is something that uh, everyone seems to be uh, tapping into at the moment to say, okay, the the skill set that everyone has to pick up, especially our young people. Uh, coming out of a pandemic is this ability to be resilient. Uh, I wanted to drill down on those numbers a little bit because we, uh, I really appreciate the fact, Bill, that you you talked about kind of what happens at the at the bottom of the cliff, uh, and often we're you know racing to park a lot of ambulances at the bottom of the cliff uh, for when these mental health issues uh, get to our young people. Uh, but what you're talking about in this particular section of the, of the study is this connection uh, to a sense of purpose, to a sense of mission and meaning in their life. And to me, that's uh, put it in the big fence at the top of the cliff uh, and uh, really allowing someone to not just avoid the catastrophe of a fall off the cliff, but to really thrive and flourish. That, that's well said. And, and uh, I think, I think what, what's so powerful about this kind of data, it's, it's certainly no suggestion that there aren't other you know, ways for people who, who don't have a, a particular religious faith to flourish, but it points, it points to some things that are shareable across all kinds of different uh, backgrounds and, and uh, things for us to, to point, things we could point to in trying to uh, improve mental health among youth, among adults, just overall. Uh, I think all of that is important. Any other uh, takeaways uh, from the study or, or as you've looked at that? I know you've looked at that over a long period of time. Any other trends or things that you're seeing that uh, we should be thinking about? Well, what's somewhat interesting to me, and, and this we didn't talk a lot about this in this uh, particular study, but we're, we're going to continue to write about this, is that there, the religious organizations themselves are paying a lot of attention to these uh, issues. And so I, I would predict that we are going to see uh, the situation even become m- more dramatic in, in, in a positive way uh, as, uh, you know, um, churches uh, address the issues specifically of emotional resilience and, uh, and other factors that are important to, to you, to adults. 
Um, in a lot of ways, as we described in the article, this pandemic has been a stress test in a lot of ways, supply chains and et cetera, et cetera. But one of them is, is how do we respond to uh, mental health challenges? And we're learning some things. So I, I, I'm optimistic that uh, this kind of data helps to point for some to some positive solutions going forward. Yeah, I think that's so so vital that we look at those. Uh, it is it really has been a stress test, and as you mentioned, the, we we've, we found all the holes in the supply chain uh, to be sure. And now I think we need to make sure we're finding those holes in our civil society change and in our family yep. chains yep. Uh, that are equally as important. Uh, Bill Duncan, always appreciate yep. your insight. Uh, Bill Duncan from the Sutherland Institute. Uh, great writing, great research, great thinking as always. Uh, we'll have you back real soon. Thanks so much, boy. All right, we're going to go ahead and uh, step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, final segment, we're going to take a trip into a place where we have to be careful that we don't become the ugly tourist. And it's not where you think. Find out where it is coming up next. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.